everybody, and welcome to the Ocean Riders podcast. Conversations with creatives, entrepreneurs, thinkers and dreamers who also happen to be surfers. Episode 5 is the second part of my conversation with Scott Martin. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, I highly recommend downloading the first part because it's packed with really interesting and useful information and Scott is an amazing storyteller. In the previous episode, Scott describes what it is to be ambitiously lazy, what he does as a multi-passionate marketing entrepreneur in his consulting business, Groundswell Marketing, and we talk about the implications of growth marketing and what it takes to generate passive income. In today's episode, we focus on Scott's rollercoaster personal development journey with Tony Robbins. You might recall in the previous episode, Scott mentions his epiphany when he gets stranded at Miami airport without enough money to fly home. After picking up a Tony Robbins book and applying the principles, he actually manages to get a free ticket back to Canada and launches himself on the route to success. Well, in this episode, we get to find out more about what he's been up to for the past year and how the same Tony Robbins has helped him make positive changes all throughout his life. We then explore what it is to have a value proposition for your own business and talk about business models that are designed to give back to communities. Scott has a really interesting view on this and his experience is paving the way to innovative business models. A few years back, Scott also created an online community called Surf Art World and he shares his experience of creating communities without having to create any content. So if you're a business owner or a digital entrepreneur, this idea to work with competition instead of compete with it is downright genius. Finally, in this episode, we get to talk about surfing, how it all started in Scott's life and how he now weaves surfing into his work-life balance. So without further ado, here's part two of my conversation with Scott Martin. Um, Maybe moving on or moving a bit backwards, because um, you talked about Tony Robbins at the beginning of the interview. And um, I heard that you, you're you quite a sort of an admirer and that you've actually participated in some of his motivational conferences. Can you tell us more about this experience? Well, uh, let me take a little bit of a little hop, skip backwards. Yeah. Uh, so, so I read that book and it changed the trajectory of my life. And then when I started my uh, the business that I mentioned to you, um, SDMG, Strategic Marketing Group, um, my business partner and I, we purchased with our business the um the tapes that he had out which was uh personal power i think it was or, or something like that and uh and they gave me another boost like it was like that was almost like 10 years later i read those tapes and then 10 years after that like i had totally had not i mean i've always been a fan i always like really enjoyed those tapes they made a big difference and then i i saw the movie and yeah. i saw that movie and i'm like oh my god i haven't thought about 20 rounds and yet he's the one person that's like completely like of all the books has changed the trajectory two times you know in my life and I saw that movie and I was, if I was like anyone else that saw that movie, I was just like completely just going, what is that about? I'm like, I had no idea. I was expecting something totally different. And when I saw this level of caring and I saw sort of the experience, I was like, I just had to inquire. So, you know, I literally watched that movie and I think the next day I went online to look and it was like, and his funnel is pretty uh, awesome because it kind of doesn't leave a lot of options. You just kind of got to click to talk to somebody about it and they yeah and it was and by the way that funnel process i've adopted and oh, really? <laughs> uh, 
just as a side note, you know, if you want to look at a smart funnel process, go to Tony Robbins. Anyways, um, so and, and so I talked to this on the phone with this guy named Pedro, and Pedro, who I'm friends with today, um, he um, um, chatted with me about uh, the experience, and at the time was a. Uh, 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 an event, a three-day event called Unlimited Power Within. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so it was pretty pricey. Like it was like, it was not cheap at all. And, and uh, you know, and I was like coming and hawing about it. It was in US dollars. And and I told him, I go, you know what? Like, you know, if I'm going to do it, I really want to be like, it's one time. I was thinking it was a one-time experience. We'd want to be on front, but it's just so expensive. And it's like maybe, you know, I just was like kind of throwing up like we all do, you know. Uh, you know, I kind of wanted to go, but I was throwing up excuses. And I said, if it was in Canadian dollars, I'd probably do it. And I, I think I said that kind of like thinking he's that he's not going to accept kind of thing. Yeah, he's exactly. Never... Like it was going to be the end of it, and and uh, you know, I'd be up to kind of think about it more, like I do. Sometimes I ponder too much. And um, he goes, well, great. Well, what if I just, um, what if I just uh, take that away and and we just do it in in Canadian dollars? If I was able to do it for you, would you want to proceed? Because I really think that you know, because we're talking about three tickets, and and he's just such a caring guy he probably just forfeited his, his commission just because he wanted to make sure i was there he's that kind of guy and uh i never asked him i bet you I, sh- I should ask him that and uh um and i just right there i went yeah i'm going so we went to the event so get to the story quick i went to the event and was absolutely blown away like unbelievably just like it was earth-shatteringly awesome you know and it was because i'd never been anything like that at all and at that event, I made the decision to go, you know what? I'm not seeing my full potential, and I know I can do better. I need to set a new standard for myself. And so I set out to do a year of personal growth wow. and where I basically started very early in the morning. Uh, uh, and I started reading books. I was doing online courses to get some hard skills. I was going to conferences. I spent so much money and travel. I was traveling every three weeks. I did five of his events, and I ended up doing in December the seven-day event called uh, that he does it. Uh, I'm not your guru. He only does it once a year in Canada or in the U.S. and um, and that's called Date with Destiny. And all the other events, I went to Business Mastery. I, I'm, I'm you know I'm alumni for the is is like uh, Robbins University. I did all like I spent so much money. It was ridiculous. Um, and other events too, like growth hacking, social media summits. Like I went to New York, saw Gary Vaynerchuk. Like I just. I, like like when I say I had a year of growth, I'm not kidding. I like I really had a year of growth exactly to the year in March is when I ended, and I have not traveled since. And I, my bags are downstairs packed away, and I'm actually happy being home. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, at this um, seven day event that he does, if you've watched that movie, I'm not your guru, is um, it's like basically reblueprinting your life. And me, and my fiance went, and life has never been the same. It's never been better. It, it, the only way I can describe is, you know, you really like if like if someone said, you goes, you know what, like what are the things that you value? They're probably immovable objects, like your personal values, right? Mm-hmm. If someone said, you go, you can, there's a way to change your values and make them congruent with your goals that you want to make them. And there's values that you probably have that you think are important, but they're probably in conflict, you know? And for me, one of my, one of my, you know, core values used to be, you know, being self-sufficient. Well, Self-sufficient doesn't exactly work when you're in a relationship. They can have conflicting things, right? You know, you got to be reliant. You got to be compromised. You know, so things like that. So you just he basically goes through a process where you re-blueprint your values and your personal value proposition and different things. And you know, I got to tell you, like, man, has the universe ever opened up and and things really started clicking for me? 
I mean, they were all throughout the year, but that just unlocked. So that's so, sort of, so. So you, you you kind of crushed the um or, or exploded the the glass ceiling since you've sort of followed all these courses and and conferences. Is that is that basically what you've taken from it? Unbelievably leveled up, no question. Like when you look at the ROI, like someone would look at these and they're going to wince, going, "Oh my gosh, this is so expensive." Is he, I think I don't have the money. I didn't either, but I'm like, I found a way. And like when now that I look at what it's given back to me, I would pay double. Really. Because Oh yeah, it's paid for itself. Like I'm, I'm, I'm literally my billings, my happiness, my relationships, um, every aspect of my life has been transformed, and to the point now where I'm like just you know, just so excited every day. Like it's and I wasn't I'm, and I'm excited guy anyways. Like it's not like I'm anyone that knows me knows I'm just kind of full of energy. Like I'm always like this way, but like this is a different level. Like it's more of a focus level of of, of intensity. And when I've been to these other events, there are a lot of energy and you're like super excited. People think that, you know, it's just a big pump up. Yeah. Yeah, kind of. But when you date with Destiny was different. I didn't leave all pumped up. I left very calm minded. Really? I just knew what I needed to do. And I've been doing that since leaving in December. Um, I, of course, had other events. I was going through my growth curve and I ended in March. But I've been on this very, you know, just deliberate process with myself of executing on the things that I've been wanting to do for myself and it's just been amazing that's great that's great well I haven't had the the, the, the chance to actually go overseas to or on the other side of the Atlantic to uh, to to go and see um, Tony Robbins but I bet it must be just a, a, a life-changing experience well he has a business mastery in Amsterdam which is I think like in a couple of weeks really that mastery course is freaking amazing in fact I went to his business mastery event in Vegas, and I think it was two weeks later is when I met Mallory, and we ended up starting Swellness. And it was out of my key understanding about how businesses, real business, entrepreneurial businesses work. It's on these three archetypes, which is um, the artist, the person that's kind of the creative, the person that's coming up with the, or the inventor, whoever's making the product, Mm -hmm. the operator, the person that makes sure the people, the process, and the uh, business are successfully running, the entrepreneur who's getting the new business and the vision and setting the setting the goals and setting the pace, if you will, right? Yeah. Those three archetypes. And I really understood that. And ever since that, um, and leaving that event with that understanding of also, I've changed the way that I was looking at the types of businesses that I wanted to work with, meaning I'm working more now. I've made a big shift. You know, I, I've been working with large retailers. I've been working with, um, you know, sport and, and outdoor. And outdoor I still work in, but I want to shift more into eco and into wellness because I want to go things that are more congruent with where I'm at, with the value, things that I've done. Yeah, that's so. What kind of eco uh, businesses are you are you looking into right now? Well, here's here's a funny story. So, literally yesterday, without a word of a lie, so this is so I haven't planned it. So, so, I, so I actually own like like talk about eco, right? Like when the domain dot eco came out, and it was last year, um, I went and bought a ridiculous amount of domains because I'm like, to me, I'm like, this is where it's going, right? And and, in, and also in terms of the domain name, I'm like, you know, there's like not very many domains that anyone's going to come up with that's going to add value to the previous name that's not so specific like .shoe, right? Like it's a pretty – and it's a three-letter three URL. Which, so it's going to be, a, I believe, a highly uh, valuable domain. So I bought all these domains. I've like really, and it also works with my marketing ecosystem concept. So you know, I built like Yogi.eco, which is like talking to yogis and and stuff. And I've got like ten thousand followers, and I built up there in this community. And you know, you know, you know me from my surf art. We had that discussion earlier. Mm-hmm. So 
what I've, what, so ironically, I got reached out uh, about four days ago by the guy who actually founded Dot Eco. Oh, yeah. Wow. I know he reached out to me on LinkedIn. He, I think he saw me on my Adventurepreneur podcast or something. He said, and he wanted to reach out to me and, and he saw my groundswell business. And he's like, I was really intrigued by it. And um, so he calls me, and this was yesterday, and we had this conversation. And he told me this, this amazing story about, like, you know, he'd been working with the UN and then he ended up working with ICANN. And he had this idea, realizing that the, the domains were going to open up to start .eco. And they started .eco. It's one of the most expensive domains. And they on the board, it's managed by all the, um, you know, sort of, you know, bodies of, of environmental uh, groups and so forth. So, and you don't have an environmental group to buy the domain. It's just more, that's just the, the money and proceeds are going to kind of help those businesses. And they're, they create a pledge so that you really have something you want to be attached to. But he's got just an incredible vision for what the domain is. And, but I thought it was really interesting, full circle, how he reached me and we ended up talking about marketing.eco. And the fact that I'm one of .eco's biggest fans, because I've bought like, domains and stuff. And, and, uh, um, yeah, so I'm. I'm then. So in terms of like the play that I'm making, it's very much in that direction. Um, not to say that I'm. I'm. I myself am not like a hardcore, um, you know, eco, you know, activist or anything of that nature. More about I. I believe about believe that future value propositions that are giving back, that are being sensitive to the um, the planet. Um, I really care about the ocean and surfing, obviously. And I feel like, you know, businesses that I want to work with businesses that have um, a cause to a degree, not that they're cause based or social enterprises entirely, but they, 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 they give back. And I believe that that is a good strategy in terms of, of connecting with your audience yeah, in a way. It's, that it's so good, good for storytelling. And um, it's like there's a there's a brand that I um, that started in in Bali when I when I left um, and it's called Nalu.me. Um, and it's these kids from green school who've created this brand it's a clothing brand so it started with t-shirts and everything and they've they've applied the buy to give kind of um concept so when you buy a t-shirt they give a uniform to a, a um a girl in india who can't go to school because she can't afford a uniform and so they've created this kind of momentum around the the, the, the movement which is just amazing and that's part of my you know in, in in the back of my my mind as a as a business concept is to find some kind of offer where you you when you sell a product you actually give something to somebody else uh, or to the ocean or to the environment or you know there's that kind of story that you can tell um, and it's also really important just for just for feeling good about working for a company that that actually gives back um, so I don't know what your take is on on those sorts of companies a bit like Tom's or so my take on those is um, awesome. <laughs> like it's like I, I you know like I think within reason. Like someone can be you know do it on uh, you know in, in their business models and they're almost like a, a charitable business and that's I think fine. But I think if you're profitable and you're doing good, amazing. Like I think that's where it's going to the point where I have we haven't actually announced this. So I'm I'm Mallory. Hopefully won't be upset that I'm saying this on on this podcast, but. We actually are going to be launching a program called, program called Waves of Giving, and it's it's exactly what you're describing. So, what and this was born from an experience that she had when she was filming um, Swellness the first um, couple months of workouts in Nicaragua, and um, in the area that she's working in the beach town, she offered to do to the community a group um, stretching and and movement um, exercise, and they were so appreciative because no one ever actually showed them how to, you know, because these people work on, some of them are gardeners, you know, they're working 
hard labor, uh, you know, in the area and stuff. And, and they, and, and apparently they, they just were so like grateful for that. Someone would show them how to move their body and stretch and stuff. Cause they don't really have access to that type of uh, things that we take, we take for granted. It's all over the place. Right. I'm sure, you know, um, I'm sure they could go online, but you have to understand just culturally, it's just, you know, it's, it's maybe not a priority. And so anyway, so she did that, had just a really amazing experience. And when I, you know, we were talking about strategy uh, and we were up in Banff in the mountains and we had like a, we did like a, an offsite retreat about imagineering what we're going to do, um, sandboxing the stuff that we want to move toward. And one of the things that we said, like, what are we going to do in terms of engagement about giving? And and we both came up with this concept called waves of giving, which is we're going to be launching. We just kind of launching one program at a time, but <laughs> this, this fall or late summer, we're going to be launching all waves of giving, which is every person that signs up for the practice there's going to be um, a free access code for somebody in a um, in a place of need that can have free access to that same program. So that you're basically, you're buying for two. So you're buying somebody in Nicaragua or Bali or, or India, whatever, can have access to that program for themselves. Uh, because in there, and for them to spend $49 a month would be just, they would never do it. Hmm. They just don't, it's like it's so beyond their, their monthly budget that, that they just would never do it. So what we want to do is we want to basically uh, you know, give back, um, uh, proportionally to the size of business and pass on that directly to, so that the, the, our, our customers can feel the benefit as well. So that every month they, you have, you're there with us for 12 months, 12 people okay. got access to the program and get to have a better life. So it's not like one person. So it's, yeah. So that's what we're working on. And we really, so we're, we don't have the, the program isn't fully developed yet. So I'm mm-hmm. like, might change a little bit if you've heard this and it ends up being different but that's the basic premise of it that's a really that's really smart that's um excellent strategic move there yeah like you're saying about Bali, like I, I was on the phone yesterday with my client i just signed a new client uh, a month ago um it's a um Santosha yoga uh, they do online yoga courses and they have like a bali teacher training course that they do mm-hmm. and we're strategizing about the, their business and the future business and I can't say what it is, but we are basically having a program that we're developing for her that's going to get back to the local Bali community right there. And it's like, and and like, I could just see them lighting up because they feel good about it. But you also know, you can see how it's like, it's going to benefit the community, the very community they're creating experience in. It's going to connect with their audience. Like if people really architect these things, I think you'll realize that there's something that's intangible that's beyond like sort of like, you know what people say greenwashing, like, oh, we're just saying we recycle just to make yourself feel good. Yeah. And that's not what I'm talking about. That's, I'm talking not, about that's not the right way. Yeah. Like, I'm talking about legitimately like, like I know like in some cases, like I, I don't know what to do or you go, you know, like I feel fake by doing it. But if you, I think if you, you really think about what you do and you don't just go, yeah, we're going to just contribute to this. You can do that. But if you kind of think about what can we do that, that interweaves my value proposition to what I do in a way that actually exemplifies the business that we have. And in our case, it was, well, we're getting people to have better lives with using the product. Let's give people who can't afford it to have that same experience. Like to us, it was like connected to our value proposition. Yeah, excellent. Moving on in the interview. Um, so I guess we can, can sort of come up with the, the, the surfing chapter. So we had a lovely story about how you how you surfed Hawaii for months and months and months and lived the dream. So um so do you do you manage to get surfing to go surfing often actually living in a landlocked city? 
Um, yeah, I mean, my brother runs a surf shop out in Tofino, out in Yuki. Um, let's go. Oh, it's beautiful there. Yeah. So he's been doing that for over 12 years, I think, or something. Um, so that's like an hour flight from here. Um, I pretty much um, live to travel to surf is my uh, uh, is my motto at this point in time. I mean, I think we're looking to buy a property in Costa Rica at some point, which is on this beautiful break that we want to, to live on. Um, but, um, you know, so right now, yeah, it's, it's basically a, a travel to surf kind of strategy is what we're after. But I basically everything I do, surfing is intertwined with all my businesses and all my communities that I'm seeing and I'm part of it. I'm part of a community uh, digitally anyways every day. So it feels, it feels good. It's nice and refreshing, actually, when you can't get out every day to actually sort of see all these beautiful images coming coming through your feed. It's really nice. Oh, yeah. One of my one of my most like it gives me satisfaction every day. My one of my favorite things to do every day is go look at surf art. <laughs> so Lear and I were talking before. So this is a weird connection. You might be. I'll let you tell the story of the connection here because I had no idea. Maybe I'll let you take it from here. Like just maybe share with them. What yeah. So saying. so uh, to share with listeners, um, uh, I've I started about a year ago an Instagram account called Imogen's Creations, and it's just it was just for messing around and and posting some drawings and arts and just experimenting things like with resin and with. Um, uh, with pastels and watercolors and all sorts of things, and I posted it up with the hashtag SurfArt, and you picked it up. We didn't, we haven't even met, and um, it was just amazing to actually have that connection as well. And you picked it up and you and you put it on the SurfArt page, which was re- I was so excited when that happened because that was kind of oh yeah, I did it kind of thing. Um, and so yeah, thank you very much for posting it. Yeah, it's like well, I have this, I have like basically the world's largest community around SurfArt. Um, it's surf art world. If you're looking mm-hmm. on Instagram, uh, or on Facebook group, I think it's Facebook's like 30,000 followers or something, uh, on there. And, uh, yeah. And, and so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more of an entrepreneurial story that's, that maps it back to business on why I started surf art. So I've been building these communities. I built, um, um, a largest heli skiing community, but I did it mostly through my own content. And, um, and, and so I wanted to run an experiment on how can I create a community, but my goal being a singular thing I wanted to measure. Right. How can I create a community without creating a single piece of content? I want to see what's possible. And I'm like, and I was already obsessed with looking at surf art. So I was like, I know what I'll do. I'm just going to share other people's surf art and see if I can create a following. So, and you did. Uh, and I did. So that, that's basically how it all started. It was I basically just found cool surf art and hit share. And so, and then the artists were like, oh, thanks, you know, and stuff. And it just, I would hashtag surf art and it's just like, that's how I built the whole thing. And it was just amazing. The whole, the, the, what I learned from that was, you know, like for someone out there going, they're, they're stumped with starting a business and they're, they don't, they, I'm like, I don't know how to make good content. Well, you don't need to, um, you know, if you can share and it fits in with your brand and you want to create a bit of a community, I think that's a good strategy. Like, I mean, it's, it just depends on what you're doing. It can be confusing if you're selling shoes and then you just share something that's rando you know on there like that like that doesn't make sense but if you're a shoe company and you want to create a community around the love of bamboo shoes or something then you know share other people's bamboo shoes and just weave in your bamboo shoes into it and be a you know competition is what i call it right like mm. i think that's a new mindset where you're not always just going direct competitors is like sometimes it's you know rising tide raises all ships like think about that and be the one that's like rising the tide you have some ability to impact that instead of being impacted by someone else's tide so you know a lot of business um today need to rethink you know necessarily you know 
if you can get more people interested in your category, then why don't you collaborate with them? You know, and and some people are just so protective of that that they won't do that. But to me, that's just a uh, just another potential strategy for somebody to consider. That's really interesting. And um, how long did it take you to build um, the amount of followers to get to thirty thousand followers? Because sometimes it's a question also of persistence and just believing in your in your thing. Well, I think I started that like maybe. I mean, the real boost happened within a couple of years, but it took, it's like a, think of, it's like nothing happens, nothing happens. Like, think, imagine posting and having hardly anybody follow you for like months. This is where people drop off. They go, it's not working. It, it's like, and I'm like, if you want to do these type of things, you need to be ferociously relentless. And every day, I didn't care. Basically, that's why I picked something I loved. I'm like, I don't even care if anybody follows this because I like it. And I'm using this surf art as my own personal gallery when I want to sort of like you fawn over the different surf arts. So I was like, for me, it was no lose, right? So, you know, but I was running an experiment anyway. So I was committed. That's probably the biggest lesson is that, you know, that has a, like such a slow growth curve. And then suddenly, for whatever reason, it just just started moving fast yeah just don't give up then yeah that's how i've seen most of these grow is that it just for some reason it just clicks and then you know like on social media then someone sees that you followed it and they share there it just it suddenly just starts taking off or you had you know one piece of of you know uh, art or something that that you know really resonated with people so you know it just takes time and so i tell people that you know what like if you're not into this and you're not taking most people underestimate they overestimate what they can do like in a couple months and they underestimate what they could do over a couple of years. And I'm like, I'm one patient mofo. Like I will, I have strategies that I'm working on right now that I'm not sharing, but I'm like, they're like four years out. Like in terms of like, I want to see if it's going to work. I'm that patient. People should really think ahead, go, they're so focused on just hours for dollars or the, because we're in this, this society of like, even with Instagram, how many likes I got and stuff like, if you're focused so much on those immediate likes and reach, you might be missing stepping over dollars to pick up pennies where you could be thinking of a bigger prize and going, how can I architect something that's really going to resonate with my core audience? Well, how am I going to be able to create something that's substantially different? Um, you know, and so it's to me, it's like I think that there's so much impatience and people want that um, immediate response. And I get it. You, you want to know that it's working. But if you really are committed to this and you want to see it through, then you'll just keep on going. Like how many times have you heard from entrepreneurs that have started a business or started something and they're getting nowhere and nowhere. All it takes is one amazing yes. And then suddenly they were somewhere. So like far too many people give up. So true. So true. And it, it's really interesting actually that, that, that comment, um, just to sort of see it long term. And we're so used to, you know, immediate, you know, you order a book and you get it the next day and everything happens immediately. But this is the kind of thing when you want to grow a business or you want to grow followers or whatever, you have to think long term. That's that's so interesting. So I think I feel a bit sort of silly, actually, sort of transitioning to things like when did you get your first board and what are your top three surf destinations? Because this conversation has been so interesting, focusing on 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 actually your experience um, in in the marketing world. But would you like would you mind uh, sort of answering the silly questions or? or, yeah, or... Yeah. <laughs> OK, so um, maybe uh, what your top three surf destinations are in the world? Um, 
top three are Costa Rica, Maui, and Tofino. Ah, uh, yeah. If you could finish the sentences for me, so I'll give you the verb, and then you finish the, finish the sentence for me. So, I love surfing. <laughs> okay, I miss <laughs> the beach. The beach. Okay, I wish. I wish I lived in a jungle. <laughs> and I want to be free. Great, excellent answers. Fantastic. Who um, who inspired you to start surfing and maybe windsurfing in general? Well, okay, so windsurfing, I think I saw on TV one day um, this new thing. It was called windsurfing. And it literally was just very – this is when it was new back in the early 80s. And I was just, like, fascinated with it. And it showed this these amazing sails. And it was actually Robbie Nash, who was a young kid then, who's a, that was windsurfing and scruffy and these beautiful sails and stuff. And I was just like – I want to do that. So that's what probably inspired me is Robbie Nash. I ended up meeting him actually why when I lived there, meeting your mentor and, and was amazed. Like just, that's just so amazing. Um, but um, surfing was a little different for me. Um, I kind of had like a, I've always like, I literally like, I think I'm, I lived in California uh, for a period of time and I was into skateboarding and I was just fascinated with surfer magazines. Cause I just, the, the images were just amazing, but I never really was surfing. It was always like, at the beach, we'd boogie board. Like it wasn't really, we didn't surf. And then we had moved to the Philippines when I was like between age, I don't know, I think it must have been 10 to 13. And um, we had this um, uh, family trip that was going to be a week um, to Cebu Island, which is an, an island in the Philippines. And um, and so we're we're in sort of like middle of nowhere in the Philippines. And, and uh, my dad ran a workshop with uh, Filipino workers. He was volunteering at the time. And believe it or not, like like to this day, I have it I'm sitting in my office. I'm looking at it right now. I actually built my first surfboard, which is a somewhere between a surfboard boogie board. But I was like young then, so it was like would it come up to like my chest? And we made out of wood and hollowed it out into a hollow um, wood board with wood fins and everything. It's got it's raw red with a big yellow lightning bolt because that's what I remember seeing in surfer magazines. And we painted it and everything, and and. Uh, um, I legitimately made my own my first surfboard before ever actually learning how to surf. That is amazing. Um, didn't stand up on it. it was like you know just it, it's like it wasn't big enough. It was like obviously not floating enough and stuff. It was a complete perhaps disaster in terms. Of, but I still love the process of making it, and that's how much I was like into surfing before I even knew what surfing was. To be honest with you, so but my my first surfboard was called the Picante, and I got. The, the Picante, it was, uh, it was called, it was like, had this brand Picante on the cover of it. Uh-huh. And, um, uh, it was a uh, glass in fins at the time. And I bought it in Maui and on days that the wind was down, I, I started, um, trying to surf in Maui. And if anyone's tried to surf in Maui, it's not like surfing in sand breaks and stuff. It's, it was pretty difficult and I got a lot of beat downs. So I didn't get a lot of surfing. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. My first surfboard was a hot butter with the fins that were also, um, oh my gosh, uh, yeah. Resin. That's an Australian brand, isn't it? Yeah, I got it in Australia and um, uh, I brought it back home and I was so proud of having this surfboard, but I never managed to get up because it was a tiny surfboard and I was I was learning at the time. And it was so it's I've kept it and it's like on my wall, but um, it, there's some good memories attached to that. So there's always something, there's always a story to a surfboard too. Um, 
Well, I guess we've made it. Um, uh, we're getting to the end. Um, so if you'd like to promote anything, what would you like to, if, is it, have you got anything you'd like to say? Yeah. I mean, if obviously if you want to, if you'd like to follow me, probably Instagram, uh, Scott Martin, Scott at Scott Martin underscore org org. Uh, but, uh, but probably if I'm going to promote anything, I would encourage everybody. We have a, a one month free trial of our program, Swellness. You go to www.swellness.co mm-hmm. and um, obviously there's like tons of opportunities once you're um, in the program to connect directly with us. I'd love to hear your feedback um, and let us know that you heard from the podcast to be great, but I'd love, like we're looking not just for you to, to do it. Uh, you know, if you have any suggestions or your experience, I'd love to hear from you and we have a, a community so you can just Google, you know, Swellness and, you know, we have a Facebook group and an Instagram group and all that kind of stuff, but I would just go straight to swellness.co and and sign up for a month trial. Okay, sure thing. Well, that's great. We made it. Um, And thank you ever so much for coming on the show. How do you feel? Amazing. Thank you so much for thinking of me. It was such a a wonderful, um, you know, surprise to have you reach out to us. And the fact that, you know, you were telling me about your goals of this podcast and your desire to kind of make that connection between business and and. Uh, surfing, I'm like, it's so fascinating because I'm like, that's exactly what I do and how much I believe in this too. I mean, my company's name is Groundswell. One of my companies is Swellness. I'm Surfart and these are all business enterprises. So it's such a great connection to have with you and I really applaud you for your podcast. I think it's going to be a great success. In fact, I'll help you with with uh, sharing the the stoke about um, you know your podcast. I know you're going to be really successful and I think that this is you know an interesting niche take on you know, I think you're going to find probably uh, uh, stories of people who are just filled with passion for life and surfing, but doing really interesting things. I, I can't imagine like the surfer community that I've experienced are just amazing human beings. And, amazing, and uh, yeah. you know, and your story and your reason for starting is such an amazing story. So I would thank you so much for reaching me. It's, I'm honored and, and so grateful to be on your show. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Good. Well, that was a mind-blowing episode. I hope you took as much away from it as I did. It's definitely given me loads of ideas and tools to develop my business and to some extent this podcast. Thank you, Scott, for being such a fun guest to talk to. To connect with Scott, it's really easy. You can visit his Instagram pages, starting with scottmartin underscore org, his marketing consultancy, www.groundswell.marketing, and his latest business venture, swellness.co. Scott and his associate, Malarori, have launched a six-week Surfer Strong Challenge this November on their website, so you're invited to join the party. Just connect to www.swellness.co. As you noticed in this episode, Scott has dozens of other communities that he manages from Surf Art World to Outdoor.echo, and I'll put the updated list of communities you can join on the show notes. So if you didn't get time to pick up all the details on both episodes, they're available on the show notes. You can find them on your podcast player or directly on theoceanriderspodcast.com. Also, for every episode, I write an article on medium.com. It means you can find photos of my guests. Just look me up at www.medium.com slash at the Ocean Riders podcast. If you'd like to connect with me directly, please send me an email to hello at the Ocean Riders podcast.com. And if you like the conversation with Scott, please give it five stars on your personal podcast player app. 
Taking time to write a review is also really helpful and will help me improve my content in the long run. Thank you ever so much for listening. Until next episode, take care, have fun and enjoy the waves. Ciao.